Sleepers Podcast Tuesday, February 27th edition. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us today. Carter Elliott is still sad. Yeah, there'll be no slipper flips this week. Is the I'm bit, serious. Is, no, the bit, is the bit dead or are you dead? Like what? Talk me through this. A little mixture of both. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. We, 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 I mean, we talked a good amount of time last week, didn't we? We usually talk on a weekly basis, daily basis, for those who don't know. I'm not the same person that I was a week ago, Greg. I'm just dying at you saying we talk on a weekly basis when we put four hours of content out five days a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like publicly, yeah. we do that. Like, yeah, we talk weekly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Did you sleep okay? No. <laughs> what kind of question is that, bro? I got Dale Bonnard and my team lost. And Ohio State put up 60 points. And we lost to an intern head coach without their starting three man who's been averaging 20 points a game in his last three games. No, I'm not okay. What did I, I said- sleep? <laughs> did I sleep okay? What what do you, what do you think? I thought you might have had like a comfy, I don't know. You have a, you have nice beds in your house. No, no. I I couldn't sleep for anything. I was looking up other ways to sleep. I was looking up like vampire methods. If I wasn't so tall, I would have just hung from my feet from the basement and just slept upside down. All right. Well, let's not hang ourselves in any capacity. Okay. No, not not hanging myself, Greg. That's how bats sleep. They put their feet up on things and they like curl up and they sleep upside down, like hanging. Why are you so familiar with the cycles of bat sleep patterns? I mean that that's like common knowledge. Of bats? Yeah, like bats are nocturnal. Like a lot of times they're in caves, they have night vision. And they sleep all day, like hanging upside down, like you know, like have you not have you like seen Dracula or any of those movie vampire movies? No, I am proudly not a bat guy. Really? Yeah, not into bats. No, not bat, anything bat like Batman. Batman. Ba- I don't consider Batman a bat movie. I, I mean, he's literally bat. Batman is a bat. He drives a Batmobile that is shaped like a bat. He he's wears- a he's not a bat. He's a human yeah. with some bat-like tendencies. Okay. Should we move on? YouTube comment of the day. YouTube comment of the day. What do you got? Nothing like nothing like some Monday morning uh bat discourse after you just got Dale Bonnard. Um let's see here. Let's go. Let's go with ah. It's hard to pick comments nowadays because I feel like people really put some good ones. Okay, how about this one from JW Fryer. Gregory, I believe it's over your skis. Like you get too far ahead of yourself, so you're over them. Would you like to comment on that? Because I believe the phrase was out of the skis is what you said yesterday. No, yeah, no comment. What do you mean no comment? Everybody makes mistakes. Do we make mistakes? We make a lot of mistakes. We we honestly are very mistake prone. But we always say when we make mistakes. We do. I like to give ourselves credit for that for sure. I made a mistake there if that's the phrase. I don't know if that's the phrase. I'll have the stats and research department check on that. Yeah, also, like most phrases are very customizable to each person. Like you can do any form of that phrase. It's not like if you don't say it that one way, then the phrase goes out the window. Do you think I'm a skis guy also? Like like, am I a skier? You do look like you ski. I don't ski. I've never never been on skis, so that I've might be part ski. of why. I've been on skis before. Really? Yeah, wasn't a fan. Why not? Uh, just because, like, to me, one, skiing isn't as cool as snowboarding. Like, I, I would have felt cool snowboarding, but apparently skiing is easier than snowboarding. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. Like I just didn't like the I didn't like the method that I was taught by the people that I went. They were like, "Yeah, go fry style or pizza style if you're trying to go." I was just like, "I I don't look I don't look cool. I look out of place. I'm bigger than every other skier that's around me." I just didn't like the vibes. I was cold. Were you good? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm a natural athlete, so I was good, but I hated it. I feel like they're like the the skill sets needed for skiing aren't necessarily things I would consider 
athletic strengths of yours. You have many athletic strengths. I don't know that the things you need to be a good skier are ones I would consider part of your arsenal. What, what do you consider strong traits of athleticism that skiers must have? Nimble, quick twitchness, balance. Brother, do you not know my nickname? <laughs> what is your nickname? Like, they don't call me Big Cat for no reason. I'm nimble. You can't kill me. I got nine lives. Like, that's why they call me the cat. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with your nimbleness. All right. It definitely does. <laughs> I think you nicknamed yourself Big Cat years ago. In fact, I know that's what happened. I, you know what? This will forever be an argument that we always have. I never gave myself the nickname Big Cat. It was bestowed upon. It was bestowed upon me. From who? <laughs> Zach Hurth. I mean, I don't think it's because of your nimbleness. We'll have to get we'll, Zach on the show. Uh, we'll, 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 opinion on it. we'll talk. We'll talk to him. Now, nine lives is different. Like you'll never go away. I, I, I think I agree with that. Like your your will and your desire to overcome obstacles, no doubt. But that doesn't apply to skiing. It kind of does. There's a lot of obstacles when you ski. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Agree to disagree. Uh, <laughs> all right. Should we move on? I mean, non-skiers talking to a skier. I hate it. I mean, I'm a snowboarder, which to your point is the more difficult, more impressive thing to do. You've been snowboarding? Yes. Oh, didn't know you're a snowboarder. Yes. Nice. I'm, a, I'm a snowboarder, not a skier. Bet. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on? Yeah, let's get to the Discord comments. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is the Sleepers Discord. I had another flurry of new users last night. I've been uh, dropping the ball on new users, so I apologize to any that I missed in the last week that didn't get an on-show shout-out from me. But uh, last night we had, or this is in the last couple of days, we had Herschel, who's an Illinois fan join. We had Sandman, who's an Illinois fan join. And we had Your Serbian Boiler who is a Purdue fan, obviously, joined. So shout out to you. Uh, we are across the 150 threshold of Discord members. Love to see that. You said if we got to 200 before the end of the season, you'd get a sleeper's tattoo. I did. That that uh, that offer stands. It's going to be dicey. I don't. I think we're going to need like some big momentum in the last month. But we had like 30 or 40 signups in January or uh, in February. So if that picks up a little momentum in March. It could happen. Uh, it's the number one way to support the show. We read comments, every single comment from the Discord every single day to open the podcast episodes. And uh, just a good ass community over there right now. Hit us up if you have questions about it. Link in the description if you want to join. And shout out to Booby, who's back, by the way. Booby was a proud member of the Discord early in uh, non-conference season. Left for a little bit. Told us when he came back recently that it wasn't any hard feelings. wasn't that he was unhappy, just uh, didn't want to spend the money for a little bit. Now he's back in a spot where he does want to spend the money. So he rejoined. You can do that anytime, and we will welcome you back with open arms. So, Booby, thanks for rejoining the Discord. To the comments, uh, we start today with you, who at 1.56 in the morning sent a screenshot of an Amazon cart, and your search in the Amazon site is casket big enough for a six foot seven loser. Yeah, I was just doing some browsing. Did you find anything you like? Pretty good deals, actually. Good casket deals. They're, yeah, good. And they're also like prime, too. So, like, I could have them by Wednesday. <laughs> like, you don't need it till Saturday, I would say. So, don't don't spend the extra on shipping. Uh, Dat Boy from Illinois says, if Dane and your girl are drowning and you can only save one, which one are you saving? Parentheses, if you save Dane, he becomes a Michigan State Spartan. Saving my wife. It was two seconds of hesitation there. Well, I was gonna get into like some more details. Like one, my wife ain't drowning; she's she's half fish. All right, kid, kid special in the water. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I saved my wife. All right, Isle Tupper says pertaining to the roller coaster discussion, would you accept a day? where you must ride every ride at Cedar Point, parentheses, that's 18 coasters currently, some of the most fearsome in the world. But in return, you can snap your fingers and make three wishes to fix your respective basketball teams. Yeah, I'm doing that. You love rides though, right? So that's kind of like a day in the park for you? Not necessarily. Um, I don't like it's, I don't like seek out roller coasters. Like if we're going to Cedar Point with a group, like I'm there, I'm having a good time. 
Um, but like I'm also like not afraid of roller coasters. The only one I'm afraid of, like ride wise, is those ones that go like straight up. Like I think they call them like demon drops or something. They go straight up and they literally just drop you down. Like that's the ride. I hate I hate that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Kyle also adds some context here. There's no restrictions to the wishes, meaning you could say Zach Eady takes his COVID year and transfers to Michigan State. So you can really go wherever you want with this. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you have to do it. Like, we're, yeah. we are we are down bad enough. I would have to fight through the pain and make it happen. Right. I was about to say, honestly, you gave us a cop-out. Like, I was thinking, like, you remember the show Fear Factor? Yeah. Like, I think it had to be something like that level. Like, you got to lay in a glass container of tarantulas for five minutes. Yeah. I think anything that would not cause me long-term bodily harm, I would do for three wishes to fix Michigan basketball right now. Same. And depending on what the bodily harm is, I I might consider. What are your wishes? Well, I mean, if I get anything, like I'm. Yeah, you get anything. What are your, yeah, what are your three I'm wishes? Probably, probably literally going to the first team All-American list. I'm getting him another year of eligibility. I'm getting Zach Eady. I'm getting Dalton Connect. And then, I don't know. Possibilities are endless, to be honest with you. Interesting. Okay. You're you went a different route. I wouldn't take a player with one year of eligibility left. You're, oh, you're you're looking you're looking to build something. I think so, right? I don't like. I don't want one year and then back to the same issues again. Um, I want like, like, I I probably want to make John Beeline's departure never happen. That's one. Huh. That's good. See that one. See, I don't like messing with things in the past like that. That could like, you know, the time travel movies where you take one sheet of paper out that you shouldn't and it just sets the rest of the future ablaze. Yeah, I guess Scam. that's true. I guess that's very true. Um hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I might have to think on other wishes. Yeah, like, you, like you do that. Like what if something like what if Braun doesn't come back to Cleveland or something? Something like that. I'm too combative because like my initial thought after Beeline is using the other two wishes on things that bring downfall to my enemies. <laughs> Wait, what is it? Ah, I'm gonna. <laughs> no, come on, I need ah, it. I'll, we'll talk offline. Uh, Augie, Augie says Jake Diebler has now beaten both Tom Izzo and Matt Painter in three games. It's a small sample size, but impressive nonetheless that an interim head coach on a bad Ohio State team has done this. Do you think these wins get him a few phone calls this offseason? And do you think he could be a good long-standing head coach to build a decent program somewhere? So let's not forget he also got packed up by Ben Johnson in the middle of those two Hall of Fame wins. Um, credit to him for doing that. I think this will give him leverage to be a higher paid assistant coach somewhere on a staff. I don't, I don't see him flipping this into straight into a head coaching job, in my opinion. Yeah, he's in a tough spot because like a new head coach would come in and probably want to bring his own staff with him. So yeah. you got to go somewhere. I think, um, like if I were like a I don't know, maybe like a Horizon League school that needed a coach in the Midwest. I would probably consider calling Jake Diebler. I want Jake Diebler on Michigan State staff. I don't know what's going like what's Cleveland State's coaching situation right now. Uh, I to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you. Tristan, let us know. Yeah, like if if I'm Cleveland State and I'm in a spot where I need a new coach, I would call Jake Diebler. See, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, roll the dice. Um, but I don't think anywhere higher than that right now. Luke says, if you refer to corn dogs as breaded glizzies, do they become more or less appealing? I, that's a question for you because I like corn dogs. You don't. I I I'm I don't find anything about the word glizzy appealing. Yeah. So I don't know. I want to make sure I remember this correctly. You don't like corn dogs whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. What do you not remember from this conversation yesterday? I, but I couldn't remember if it's like uh, you don't care for corn dogs or you hate them. I don't like the taste at all. Okay, so yeah, so you hate them. Okay, cool. Yeah, don't like them. Okay, so like the next time we're together, and maybe we go for a nice little bite to eat beverage, and I see mini corn dogs on the appetizer menu. Like that's not happening, my guy. If you and I are together in public, and you suggest getting corn dogs together. I'm going to need like a month off from this. That's okay. an insane, insane proposition. Travis Nelson. Actually, I don't want to skip one here from Tony. He didn't tag us, but he says, I would argue that Ohio State is way more talented than Purdue. No. 
I think I'm pretty sure Tony's a Purdue fan. He's classified by the Purdue colors in here. Yeah. I don't understand this. I don't understand this at all. And I I don't mean to like make sweeping assessments, but like why are Purdue fans trying to argue that they're not talented in their best years ever? Is this is this to like make it seem like they're overachieving while being great? Yeah. That's insane. Or at least that's what it seems like. It seems like they want to always carry the, oh, well, Paint's doing this with guys that no one else wanted, basically. It, it, like, Zach Eady is supremely talented. And that's – it's the credit to your staff that he's that ta- – he's – his skill set, his free throw shooting, his post moves, his strength, his stamina, those are skills that were all developed at Purdue. But he's not unta- – like, you're, you're trying to tell me Felix Akpara is more talented than Zach Eady? What yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, go down the list though. Like, what are we, what are we actually doing here? Like, TKR is more talented than Evan Mahaffey. Bruce Thornton is more talented than Braden Smith. I don't think so. I like passing is a talent. Like, like Braden Smith's rebounding is a talent. His shooting is a talent. I don't understand this. And it, like, just own own the fact that you're talented and awesome, and that's why you deserve a bunch of credit. It's not like this middling group of overachievers that have become so great. Like, come on, man, your team's awesome. Just own it. I'm sorry. I'm like get going after you, Tony, but I really, I don't follow the, the thought process here. Uh, Travis Nelson says Booker definitely won't start against Purdue. It's all the perfect setup. Madi will be back to starting because defensively against Edie, but give me a break. That's pathetic. Cause there isn't anything the bigs do better than Booker defensively. It sucks more because Edie is going to go off regardless. We won't get Booker out there to make him play perimeter defense. Uh, I, I find that hard to disagree with, to be honest with you. Cause I think that's how it's going to play out. Yeah. Just got to let it play out, I guess. But uh, obviously we are. That's the process. Yeah, we trust the process. Purdue Pete has the final comment today. He says, do you think that the COVID year seniors have stifled development across the board to the point that it has impacted the potential for high-end talent? The past few weeks, it seems like a recurring theme of young players not getting enough minutes in many spots. It's a double-edged sword in that not only are there older players on so many rosters eating up available minutes, but then when freshmen and sophomores get minutes, they can be up against 23, 24-year-olds who are quite literally built different. I also think coaches have shifted expectations of players when they fall back on comfort level due to knowledge and understanding from older players rather than physical talent, ability, possibly from younger players. What do you make of this? I think hit the nail on the head. It it does. And I think that you brought it up before on previous episodes, and I've never actually been like, yeah, I feel the same. But I just want to really make it known that, like, I'm really looking forward to what college basketball is going to look like kind of after this COVID year old men thing kind of clears up a little bit and re- yeah. returns to somewhat normalcy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to blame anybody, but like, like individually, all these 23 year olds that are going to end up playing in Serbia or in accounting departments, like they should maximize their eligibility and play another year and get six figures for doing so. Right. Like I, I don't blame any individual player for doing it. But with how many have become like these guys should be out of college basketball because they aren't good enough to play professional basketball and they're just lingering, hanging around and they are better than 18 year olds. The other elephant in the room though, is like this year's freshman class stinks. This freshman class would have stunk anyway, even if COVID didn't exist. Right. And And that was known coming in. Right. So it's, it's like a, I don't know, like all, all sides of this made the perfect storm for this to be so dramatic, but Hopefully next year we get a good freshman class across the board and it changes a little bit as some of the COVID guys get phased out. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, thanks, comment section. Appreciate you. We will be back with more comments from the Discord on tomorrow's episode. Let's get to our topics today. (laughs) We delayed this as long as we could and I feel Uh, obligated to go back to it. We delayed it as long as we could. Let's talk about court storming. Let's talk about it. Uh, so if you were under a rock this weekend, which I know no Purdue fans were, no fans anywhere were, to be honest. If you're a college basketball fan, you saw what happened here. Uh, Duke loses at Wake Forest. Duke was underdogs. 
according to the the betting services. They were underdogs in this game. So Wake Forest stormed the court as favorites. That's a whole nother conversation. I don't really have a problem with it because I get it. It's a big win. But like just funny we're in a spot where like the betting favorite to win the game is storming the court after a win. Uh Duke gets off the court, except Kyle Filipowski, their best player, did not. But everybody else got off the court. Flip does not. Uh, you can Zapruder the film. You can slow it down, slow motion, different angles. You can see whatever you want to see from this footage. But the reality is a fan made contact with Kyle Filipowski. Multiple fans honestly made contact. It looked like one got tripped up with Flip's feet. And then one kind of two-hand shoved him after he had tripped up the other fan and kind of tried to get him in the back. Um, Flip ends up being helped off the court. He got an MRI today. We are recording this before the results of the MRI have been made public. So we don't know. There's a chance that Flip could miss time from this. There's also a chance that Flip is perfectly fine. Uh, don't really care, to be honest. Like, I, obviously, I care. I hope that he's fine. But I don't think, like, whether or not Flip is injured has any specific pull on this discussion. This conversation is uh, another step from where we were at earlier this season, where you and I were vocal making fun of Matt Painter. Matt Painter did essentially warn us, hey, something bad's going to happen. Uh, that was after a loss at Nebraska where nothing did happen, but Paint was asked about court storming and basically said, this is horrible. We need to make change before something bad happens. He looks really great in hindsight. He looks right. We look stupid. That's the reality of it. Um, where are you at with this? Who's who's to blame? Is this bad on Wake Forest? Is this bad on Wake Forest players? Uh, was Matt Painter right all along? Tell me what to think of this. So I'll start with this. The, to me, the main culprit and who was wrong is this wrong in this assessment is Wake Forest because you need to have some sense of the moment and some sense of what is going on and put protocols and things and security in place to prevent a situation like this from happening. Um, the court storm dialogue is gone one way or the other, depending on who you talk on. There's people that are like, ban it, ban it, ban it. Uh, there's people who are like, don't ban it. Uh, Jay Billis came out this morning and said, like, don't ban it. But any student who steps on the floor is like basically arrested or re receives a citation, which I think is a, a really wild concept. Not sure like where we're going with that. Um, so this is my stance on it. One paint with paint was right. Something something did happen. Something would happen, and something did happen. I guess you could say something happened with Caitlin Clark, but something also happened with this. At the same time, I don't think that you should ban court storming. Like, I don't think that that's what should – I think court storming is part of college basketball um, and something that shouldn't be taken away. Now, what needs to change is how it's handled. Like, I think that there are some schools in place that do a good job of making sure that players get off the floor or making sure that things are roped off or they hold off students to make sure that they don't rush until people get off. Like there's, there has been millions of court storms that have happened without incident. If you handle it correctly and you're prepared to do so. So I think that that needs to be put in place and they just need to tweak the protocol around court stormings. Don't get rid of court stormings in my opinion. Um, now, you know, could have anyone have been like, yeah, uh, injury's going to happen. Like, I don't think paint is some like Oracle or anything like that. I think he put a pretty broad statement out there and he ended up being correct. And we did make fun of him at the time because I thought it was funny that he said it after a game where there was no incident. Obviously he was asked about it. He answered it how he felt he needed to answer it. With that said, Yes. I guess you can do it paint one sleeper zero, I guess, in this case. But um, at the end of the day, they need to make it as safe as possible for the players and the coaches and everybody on the staff. And Wake Forest failed to do that, and it resulted in flips getting hurt to whatever extent that he got hurt, and that's extremely unfortunate. Yeah, I'm fine with being like, hey, we look stupid in hindsight. Obviously, we – we were aware that there's a chance we're going to look stupid in hindsight whenever there's an incident occurring. Um, 
and this isn't about Purdue fans. This is about the issue of court storm in general. But I think like lost in the the original discussion we had where we clowned paint. We were never upset or clowning paint for the take itself of court storm. Like if you go back and listen to it, which I did, we said like, I agree with what he's saying. I don't agree with him exaggerating how much it happens to them and feigning superiority over the rest of the big time. That's what he was doing to me more than he was actually, you know, and Purdue fans disagree and that's fine. That's in the past. Um, the, the concept of any coach talking about like, let's make this safer. I'm all for, they clearly need to do it. There's been a couple quote unquote incidents now. The other side of this for me struggles because I don't think any of these incidents have been super serious. Like we, we await the results of the MRI, obviously, but again, you, you can slow motion the film and see what happened to flip. It doesn't appear to me that he's in any serious danger here. Now in general, like any player getting swarmed by hundreds of opposing fans is a dangerous situation that that's broader than this specific video evidence of what happened to flip. Like in general, that's an unsafe situation. So if it keeps happening like that, something bad is going to happen at some point. But like people, I know there, it was a thing in our discord where it's like, Caitlin Clark just got hurt. And then she hit the podium and said she was fine and missed zero minutes. And I, there's a lot of even like thought, articles thought pieces today think pieces that are like the this is caitlin clark 2.0 with flip it's like caitlin clark didn't get hurt and we're, we have to wait and see if flip actually gets hurt here my strong belief is he's probably not injured here so look that aside let's make court storming safer let's figure out a way to do it uh what do you think is the best way to do it um i've seen a couple of good theories out there um i kind of like the basically just third like 30 seconds to get the players off the court and then just let them storm i kind of like that idea i just think there's 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 easy ways to do this i mean you could even i i know actually Payne has done this in the past when he was about to lose at purdue like he got his players off the free throw line and he like basically called a timeout just to get the guys off the floor um, I think there's very easy ways to do it, to be honest with you. I think that these schools have enough resources. They have enough people in place to prevent students from getting on the floor for like 15 seconds, just a 15 second pause just to get players off the floor and then let them rush and do what they want to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I would like a countdown. I'd be good with that. Like say the, the final buzzer, of the game ends and there's a 60 second countdown on the shot clock. I like that. Yeah. Can, uh, can I ask you about any of the wildest ideas that you've seen floated around? Because I have one that I like to speak on. I haven't seen any. Okay, so uh, Greenberg was in the studio at halftime of a game yesterday. I forgot what game exactly was. He suggested that you let the players just storm the student section. <laughs> what? <laughs> like you keep the student section where they're at and the players just run into the stands. Oh, the, the team, the winning team's players should yeah, the winning get, team get players in the stands. Storms, storms the student section. I hate that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I despise that. I yeah. I don't like that. Um, that was yeah, a I don't know. I, look, I, I think court storming is innately a special thing about college basketball. I think it would be a shame if any rules were put in place to take it away. Ultimately, like, if anything, hire more security. Like, could we mandate a certain number of security guards that have to be at a college basketball game that schools need to employ? Like, I think that could happen. We're not going to also victim blame on this podcast. We're not. What does that mean? We're not blaming Flip? I'm just setting the stage for what I'm about to say. Could, Could there not have been a little bit more hustle to get off that court? So you are victim blaming then. <laughs> so, yeah. so we're not going to victim blame and then immediately victim blame. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying it's a, it's a footnote. I hope he's okay. Like I really do this fix the core storming, make it safe. It's, it's really easy to do. Unfortunately, usually when things are easy to do for the NCAA, they drag their feet. Um, But you know, just, just make it safer. Also like, you know, get off the court, man. Like you, you know, that's coming. Like, don't you don't you know that's coming? Like get off. 
flip following up the this needs to change tweet with 20 minutes later yay 1k points after a loss is an all-timer moment i think i said it briefly in passing during uh monday's episode but like if you could have bet on which player would be the one that needs an MRI from a court storming incident, Flip would have been top five. He just he's playing the Duke villain role perfectly. And again, the most important thing here is that he's healthy. The second most important thing is making sure every player is protected in college basketball. I want that to happen. It's clear at this point we need to put some standards in place to make that happen. But it also like there's an element of this that is just comical to me of like watch the video of course this happened to flip and of course he's now the face of the let's stop court storming movement and uh matt painter was right hashtag matt painter was right right like of course it's a dupe of course it happened to a dupe blue devil with john shire as the coach and it's and it's flip yeah yeah um all right i hope this is the last time we ever have to talk about court storming ever yeah, I'd also like to say I think we need to make neighborhoods safer. Um, nothing's actually happened in my neighborhood, but I do think we need to make it safer because somebody could get hurt in the future. Thank you. You're a hero. I appreciate that. Um, I'm really biting my tongue. Okay. Zach Eady is done with college basketball uh, permanently. Your thoughts? <laughs> we're free from the shackles of him dominating my basketball team oh man it's been a long hard fight man it's been a long hard fight having to watch this man get career highs on my team and it's over after this year and that makes me feel good it does and i salute to zach Eady for what he's done in his career salute for back-to-back national player of the year pending uh and whatever his legacy is when he leaves purdue this season depending on how far they go but I, but I will, I would be lying if I said I'm not happy that you're leaving, brother. I, I can't, I can't have you doing what you do to this conference anymore. You've been causing hell. You've been causing a ruckus, and it's been the Zachy D invitational these past two years, and I'm sick of it. You've been causing a ruckus. Um, been causing a ruckus. It has been a ruckus. I uh, so I'm a little surprised by this. I'm not surprised that he's done. Um, for those that don't know, he's not like abandoning his team with a month left, by the way. He's announced that he will not use his COVID year next season. This was released, I believe, through Rostein, through through John Rostein. Um, now, a lot of people are kind of like rolling their eyes, like, of course, he's not going to use his COVID year. Like, he's a player this good who's being mocked in the first round by Gavoni right now. Like, of course, he's going to leave. Um I think this is like a little surprising, to be honest with you, because like, I still would have thought this depends on their March results. Really? Truly? Like, I I, I think, like, I don't know what Zach is getting paid. I know he's getting paid. I know Purdue scheduled games in Canada so that he could get there. Like, they, they've done everything they can to make sure this guy is getting compensated, is enjoying his time, has a dealer, all those things. Like, everything Zach Eady could want, he has right now. And that's a joke, by the way. Everybody breathe. Um, he, I just like, to me, the last page of all of this is going to be like March legacy. And I don't want to speak it into existence, but like, let's imagine a world where they lose again. They lose early again. Is he content with that at this point? Yeah, I would say no. That's the thing. Like I, I, I'm on the same page as you. I would think that if the March success doesn't align like he wants to, I would I would put down a bet that he would come back. That's what I thought. So it it it, it wasn't odd that Paint brought it up because he was asked it in a in a podcast interview with Rostin. But it is interesting to me that he's already announcing that he's gone, basically, because I I too felt that some of that might have depended be dependent on what he does in March. Like if he let's say he goes out sad again, Purdue goes out sad. Yeah. Call that what you want. I'll say lose first weekend. I think that's going out sad for this Purdue team. I would think he try. I would think he'd want to come back. Maybe get a bigger bag, have another good season, maybe have some more March success. He loves Purdue. Like I, 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 I don't know that that would be. I would. I would think that'd be an option. Yeah, maybe we're just doing like wishful thinking with it, but um, I don't know. I, 
I just feel like if he is making the money I think that he could be making, it's probably not super far off from what he would make as a rookie, a rookie deal in the NBA. So to me, it, like I, from everything I know about Zach Eadie, I think his legacy stuff actually matters to him. And I think like at, at a certain point you'd expect him to get over the hump. It should be this year. He gets over the hump. Like this is the extra year. He came back for this year to be the year. That doesn't always work out though. Like, you know this. I know this from guys that came back with our schools. Like, redacted, Miles Bridges came back as a sophomore. He was out before the Sweet 16. So, like, it, it, in the NIL era, I think there's a chance Miles would have came back again. I do. Um, now, it was reported yeah, Miles, back. But, but he was lottery, though, wasn't he? He was. He was a projected higher pick, which is yeah. another point towards why Edie might come back, maybe. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm just a little – I'm surprised by the fact that there is a definitive answer in February on this, and I'm more surprised that they said this publicly. Even if there was a definitive answer, doesn't this put a little added pressure on Purdue's other players a little bit? Like, hey, we only have one more shot at this with Zach. I, I feel like – no, I feel like they knew that coming in. You do? I feel like that's been the move all along. Like, this has been it. So I can't talk you into the concept that Fletcher Lawyer was informed of this information six games ago, and that's when his shooting numbers fell off a cliff? You cannot do that to me, no. Okay. But I will say this. I'm not I'm not allowing it. <laughs> You're not allowing what? <laughs> I'm not allowing junior year Braden Smith, junior year Fletch, and another year of national player of the year, Zach Eady. I'm not allowing that. Yeah, one community can only have so many riches, right? Yeah, that's not like, come on. No, 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 no. TKR happy? Uh, how does how does this development affect your recruitment of Caleb first? Uh, I, I if, if Edie's coming back, I'm shifting. I want a package deal. <laughs> I want a, I, I want first KR. This just seems to point to like Caleb first is going to have a big role next year though. So I feel like it hurts your recruitment efforts. Yeah. I mean, I'm my recruitment efforts aren't really focused or dependent on what they're doing because I'm attacking this from all angles. Like I know what church first goes to. I know his major. I know where he eats. I know everything. What's his major? Uh, It is it's a medical school. I'm not sure what medical profession, but I know he's in med. He's in pre-med. What church does he go to? Uh, Word of God in Lafayette. How will you remember Zach Eady? Like the last part of this for me, obviously Zach Eady's one of one. I will remember him fondly as much as I've been devastated by how dominant he's been against my team. Like I, he's one of my favorite players I've ever watched. How will you remember him? And lastly, like, does what happens in the NCAA tournament this year matter to how you will remember Zach Eady? I'll remember him as one of the greatest college bigs to come through the ranks. I'll remember him as such. Like, I, I don't think you can argue with his individual stats and what he's done. What he does this season in the tournament, though, will affect his legacy, in my opinion. Yeah, like there's, I mean. I, what, I, what, whether that, whether that, Whether that's fair or not, I'm just telling you how I'm going to feel. I don't love the comp because he's way better than this guy, but it's Luca Garza E of like, wow, we got two first team all American level national player of the year type years from Luca Garza. They didn't make a second weekend once. That like that real. If Luca Garza would have made a Final Four run his final year, we're talking about him as an all time historically great. Great. I think Zach Eady should be that regardless, but it's gonna get really hard to do that like it's you're just i me personally i'm gonna look foolish trying to talk about zach Eady's legacy individually if he doesn't make a deep tournament run this year yes so hope hope it happens sad sad day for purdue fans but i'm sure they're feeling very appreciative and uh i guess a refreshing day for you and for me knowing that this reign of terror could come to an end soon it needs to they can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> it's very scary stuff. But this being dropped one day after he hangs 35 on my fouled out front court just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. Also, Greg, that was not his career high. People were very upset that you said that was his career high. Super upset. Somebody, the CBS aired a graphic saying it was. So blame them. Don't blame me.
I I saw the graphic. I'm not making that up. I saw the graphic mid game. It's on me. His career high was against Michigan State, where he had 38 points. Thank you for clarifying the three point difference there. Um, I guess you're the big loser, not me. Yay. <laughs> to our final topic today. Want to play a quick game of bid stealers? So let's go through the big six conferences. Give me a team that's not projected in the NCAA tournament field that you think could end up winning their conference tournament and stealing bids from bubble teams. Uh, let's start in the ACC. We'll work our way alphabetically through biggest conferences. Who is the most likely bid stealer team in the ACC? Hmm. I think I will go with Miami. Something feels super broken about them, but they're still the highest upside, right? I think they're the highest upside. And and yes, they are somewhat broken, but also I think people are really not factoring in. Like they've been missing a lot. Like Nigel Pack's been hurt. Matthew Cleveland's been hurt. Um, they just been like, they've had a lot of injuries. It's still Larinaga. It's still Miami. I, and the ACC is no barn burner. Like, I still think that Miami could beat any team in the ACC and make a run. Still Larinaga cracks me up because he, he's a great. Hey, honestly, like he, he does great things in this time of year. Once he did. I feel like my, has Miami made more than one run? Not that I can recall. Am I missing something? I think you are. Really? Yeah, I think like I think they've had actually. Well, you go to your ACC team and just let me double check this in my. I'm gonna agree with you. It's Miami. I think the only other one that warrants mention would be Syracuse. If you consider Syracuse out of the field right now, um, I still believe in Judah Mintz. I'm never gonna not believe in Judah Mintz, but depends on uh, like they. I think they're closer to the bubble than a bid stealer right now. So I like the Miami answer. You want to move to the Big Twelve? Yeah, you know Jim Laranega is 75? Yeah, old man. Man, okay. Yeah. Big 12, uh, most likely bid stealer in the Big 12. There's going to be a bunch of teams with bids. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma are some bubble teams right now. Texas probably on the outside looking in. Then you got like Kansas State, Cincinnati, UCF, who I think are all on the wrong side of the bubble right now, but still could certainly make it. Who's the most likely bid stealer? Uh, ooh. Most likely bid stealer. Um, uh, did you say that Texas Tech and Oklahoma are both in right now? I think right now they are, yeah. Right now? Okay. Uh, it's kind of tough because I think that fall off, there's no, there's no one I really believe in. I guess, even though it pains me, I, would Texas be the bid stealer? They're too bubbly for me too. I don't feel comfortable saying they're like, in or out of the field yet. Um, I don't think yeah. there will, there, there's not going to be a bid stealer in the big 12 because the top teams are too good. If there was one that made a crazy run, I think it would be Kansas state or you or not UCF, sorry, Cincinnati. Um, mm. I'll, I'll just say Jerome Tang magic and say, maybe Kansas state, maybe Tyler Perry gets hot for yeah. one week, but that won't happen. Not going to happen. Let it, go, let it go into overtime. And you know, they, they do. Four, four straight overtime games. That'd be nice. Uh, to the Big Ten Conference, aka the Little Ten, our miserable league. What bid stealer could possibly beat Purdue? Isn't this isn't this kind of a easy one? I have my answer. I don't know who you're going to say. I was saying I was going to say Ohio State or Maryland. Jake Diebler. Yeah, Diebler. But it. I want to pick Diebler in Maryland. I'm sorry, in Ohio State. But I still cannot shake the fact that I I still, for some reason, think that Jameer Young could go on a Big Ten tournament run for the ages and just get those dudes there. Both of these options are actually really good options. Um, I lean Ohio State more because Jake Diebler might be a god and because they did this last year. Like There, there might be something within Roddy Gale and Bruce Thornton that's just like, oh, yeah, this is our thing. And they're more talented than Purdue. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, let's go with the Buckeyes. We'll go with the Buckeyes for that. Uh, if I had said Michigan, how upset with me would you have been? I wouldn't have been. I would be upset because of they don't have Olivier. But, like, if you give me their actual lineup, I believe that they could do something in the Big Ten tournament. Just like a Doug masterclass for four games. Yeah, just like Doug, Namari Burnett masterclass. 
like everything just masterclass across the board. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're locking in Ohio State to the Big East. Uh, really underwhelming conference outside of the top couple teams here. I think St. John's and Villanova are on the bubble, so I don't want to count them as bid stealers. So you have to pick between Xavier, Butler, Georgetown, and DePaul. Feels like it's pretty obviously Butler at this point. Yeah, got to be Butler. Got to be. And Butler could end up in the field if they like win out in the regular season, but I think that loss at Seton Hall really hurt them. They've lost a couple straight now. Yeah, Butler still, though, is a very dangerous. Like it, it would be very Big East, Big Easty, like culture wise, for Butler to win the Big East tournament and get in. Like that, that, that doesn't that seem like it happens in the Big East all the time? It could happen. I think. Uh... I, I was so unimpressed with Butler against Seton Hall. I really locked in and watched that game. And, like, they, they really just shoot a bunch of horrible threes. And if they go in, they win. And if they don't, they lose. They have no other plan than that. Pierre Brooks has been horrendous lately. Like, Pierre Brooks is back to being Pierre Brooks. Um, yeah. I think – Real quick. Yeah. There could be a world where, like, St. John's is out of the tournament field, but they end up winning at MSG. But they're too bubbly right now to use them as our prediction. Casino's so. got the white suit on. Anything's possible. All white, baby. Uh, Pac-12. Who's the bid stealer here? I think Arizona and Washington State are in. Oregon, Colorado both feel bubbly to me. I think you can pick anybody else you want. Oh, God, this is tough. I don't think any – I think only one team should even get in from this goddamn league. Two teams maybe. Um, It's easy for me. Is it? Very easy. It's not UCLA, is it? It's McCronin and the boys. Is it really? Yeah, nine and seven. They're tied for fourth in the Pac-12. They've been as good as Colorado in conference play. They just, I mean, December into January was the worst thing we've ever seen. They couldn't figure it out. Then all of a sudden, they figured it out. I mean, they just lost the USC at home. Well, that happens in the Pac-12, but okay. that's just, that's just part of Pac-12. I mean, I look. You know, one of my big like March readiness things. Have you won six straight games since January? Right? Yeah. UCLA has. I'm 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 I am surprised you didn't go USC though. Like just Collier, just Collier. Collier is not what I wanted him to be. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had that conversation in a while. Yeah, that's because they're completely irrelevant. Yeah, and then he's part of the reason why. Yeah. Um. But Boogie Ellis is. Are you going USC? I think I would go USC. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go UCLA. I don't love that pick by me, but let's move on. SEC is the final one. Uh, a bunch of teams are going to make the tournament from this league. Texas A&M is bubbly. Mississippi is bubbly. Let's put the cutoff below them. So LSU, Georgia, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Missouri. Ugh. I think the easy answer would be Arkansas, even though they're broken. It's just must. It's must. It's must. It's, it's must. Like it's it's the it's the bus, dog. Like maybe the bus schedule is a little bit off. The bus got delayed till March. There's still a world where we're, I don't know where the SEC tournament is held, but at the championship game, we get a shirtless Eric Musselman on the table as he steals a bid. Here's some facts for you about Arkansas and the must bus. They've won four of their last seven games. They've won two straight, including a win at Texas A&M, who's a desperate bubble team right now. I don't know. I could see a world where must makes a run to the SEC championship game and plays a different five players every game along the way <laughs> i mean khalif battle just had 42 tremont mark has been cooking like this it's the, the the bus it ain't moving but it's on a downhill right now so it actually is inching forward a little bit but it's not actually the engine's not working yeah i'm not all the way out on bus and i might talking through this i might assign myself the sec for our conference videos because i want to talk about bus uh, okay, of all the teams we just named, if you have to pick one, or I guess two questions, how many actually steal a bid? And if you had to pick one, who's the most likely? Who is it? Mm. Okay, so I think most likely would be out of the teams we picked, it'd be a team from the Pac-12 I think would be the most likely, just because I think that conference is is bad. I think that Purdue is going to win the Big Ten. I think that UConn is going to win the Big East. Or one of those teams gonna one of those teams is gonna not not a there's not gonna be a bid stealer in those. Uh also think the Big 12 is gonna be solid. So it had to be like Pac 12 ACC, maybe out of those two. So I think I'd either go UCLA or Miami. I think Miami's my most likely. How many actually do? If the over under is 0. 0.5, how many are you taking? taking there's gonna be one. There will be one. You'll take the over. There will, there will be one. Give me the under. Under? 
I'm taking the under. Yeah, I think I think this bubble's really really weak. Yeah, I think one, just one. I mean, we got like a Michigan State team that's on pace for 15 losses, projected as a nine seed right now. And you want you want to talk teams outside the field that are going to win games? Like, come on, what are we doing? It's gross. All right, uh, one big thing presented by Bigby. What do you got today? Uh, my one big thing is that I have seen a shift in the sock culture in in the United States. Um, it seems that everyone now wants to get socks that have like you know the right left distinction on it. Uh, I know that Boombas are very popular amongst a lot of people that I know. I just think that you need to sometimes humble yourself and realize that there's nothing better than just getting like a nice pack of Hanes socks just from wherever you got to go. Like a fresh pack of Hanes socks just always get the job done. Yeah. No flash to it, just substance. No flash. And I, I didn't mean to take shots at you because I know you're a big Boomba guy. I'm not a huge Bomba guy. My daughter wears Bombas. Bomba? It's Bombas. Uh, yeah, my, my daughter wears Bombas. I have not worn Bombas in a couple of years, but uh, yeah, my, my wife and daughter like Bombas. I really must have went on a college hoops to go trip with somebody else because I just have all these notions about things that you did, like whether it's Vicks Vapor Rub, Bomba socks, and they just they never they never happened. I guess I didn't bring Bomba socks to a college hoops to go spot once. That did not, not once, not once. No, okay, not once. All right. Um, I, my one big thing today is uh, there should be no cap on the high side to how many chapsticks you have in your household. Uh, I think if you have a three-level house, like if you have an upstairs, a main level, and a downstairs, you need to have at least two chapsticks per level for me. Otherwise, that's an uncomfortably low amount of chapsticks. I would like some variation with brands, not to be too needy, but like different flavors, different styles. Maybe throw a, a, a Blistex in there. Maybe throw one of those little colorful egg chapsticks. Would oh, be bad at it. EOS eggs. Those. I'm. I'm yeah. Not, I mean, I, they're, I like the path you're going. On. They're not my favorite, but I don't mind variation. But I just my my pet peeve is like I show up to your house and there's no chapstick available, and don't like don't get upset with me for saying like can I use your chapstick when I'm at your house? Yes, it's on you to travel, but like I'm just I'm looking out for your best interest in saying I need a lot of chapsticks on your behalf at your house. There's a deeper conversation we're going to get into eventually, but we got to be off here. But I'm saving that. I'm scared. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back on Wednesday, Wednesday. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming. And we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.